You don't have to have a set time for God as long as you're making time for God. giving it all up to God. Please bow your heads for a word of prayer. Father God, I do thank you abundantly for this night and bringing me to this place that I may stand up here confidently trusting in you. That I may truly believe that you are with me, that I may truly believe that success is imminent because what you have promised will come to pass. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your accessibility, that even though we don't deserve it, we can still reach you. We can still be blessed by you. Even after this life, no matter how badly we lived, as long as we repented in the end and accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can spend eternity with you. Father God, I do thank you abundantly. And I pray that this night, what I speak will definitely reach somebody. I pray that this night, that what I speak Even if it's just a sentence out of the message, everybody will get something from it. Father God, I pray that you give me revelations even as I stand up here. That that thing I didn't prepare for, but it's for somebody you will put on my heart. Father God, again, I thank you. We love you and we pray through the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen. So I am George Bronner. And this is the Imagination Station. I speak on my biggest challenge of the month. And similarly to past months, this month I didn't have just one. I truly learned what Spencer Johnson meant whenever he said, I learned that activity does not equal productivity. And I also learned the harms of thinking it wasn't so. (laughs) I learned the harms of thinking working harder would most definitely, without question, mean that I was more productive. And I also learned the opposite of it. Doing nothing will also not make you more productive. But above all of these things, because I can't say that one of them was my biggest challenge, I learned the solution to all of them, and it was to give it all up to God. So that is what I'm going to talk to you about today, giving it all up to God. Not tomorrow, but today. Not just today, But when tomorrow becomes the day you're living in, each and every day, giving it up to God, everything, our worries, anxieties, our time, our focuses, giving it all up to God. And I would like to start with an example that did not do that. (laughs) The Israelites back in Moses's day, for starters, they were faced with abundance, the land of milk and honey. Numbers 1323 NLT says, When they came to the valley of Eshcol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs, a single cluster of grapes larger than what one man could hold, a land of great abundance promised to them. All they had to do was go and capture it. But do you know what came over them because they did not give it all up to God? It was worry. It was fear, although they were faced with literal giants. Let me read you what actually happened, what transgressed. Numbers 13, 27 through 33 says, This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites, live in the Negev. And the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Hmm. It's simple. They did not have hope in God. They did not have hope that God would give them what he promised them. Now, hope being defined as to desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. You know, it's interesting. There was one verse in there of somebody with a different opinion, but they immediately clouded him out. Whenever Caleb tried to quiet the people and he said, we can certainly conquer it. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to hear hopeful statements. They did not want to give it all up to God, not their worries, not their doubts, not their anxieties, because as far as they could tell, those people over there were large and they were not. As far as they could tell, they were the ones looking at them within their walls. But they had an all-powerful God that would have conquered it for them. But you see, you still got to have hope. Just because God is willing to give it to you, you still have to go get it. It's like being guaranteed a make. All you have to do is throw, but you say you're scared. You don't want it to slip out of your hand. Yet even if it slips, it will still fall in because it's guaranteed. They lacked hope in a situation that was promised to them by a God who never breaks his promises. Hmm. Now let me read a verse to you about this. Numbers 23:19, which says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? These are questions, so let me provide you with the answer in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Hmm. Not one promise not fulfilled, all of them. And it is truly interesting to me that even among a place where almost everybody around you was losing hope, there were still some that did not. Hmm. Numbers 14, 7 through 9. Caleb and Joshua said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And I didn't put it in my notes, but you know what they did after? They stoned them. It's almost as though the Israelites were afraid of hope. Almost as though they were afraid of what God could do for them. It's as though they viewed God as their enemy for some reason. 
They had witnessed countless miracles that God had performed, yet they still refused to have hope in him because they saw some physical giants. It's crazy to me, truly. But it does not end there. They were blessed. Those that trusted in God, those that did not deter in their hope, those that continued to believe, even though they were stoned for that, because they knew that anything God promises will come to pass. So let me tell you what ultimately ended up happening for those that believed, such as Moses, Caleb, Joshua. Numbers 14, 11 through 12 states, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Separated into two different groups here. Those that witnessed, yet they stopped believing. And those that witnessed, and they didn't allow their hope to crumble. Both of them witnessing the same literal giants, yet two completely different perspectives. Because what did they do differently? One of them gave their worries up to God. And the other, they basked in their fear. They basked in their worry. It's almost as though they glorified fear more than God. Now, let me tell you a verse as to why you should give your worries up to God. Hmm. As 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Your burdens, as Psalms 55, 22 says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Hmm. We may not be faced with literal giants in modern day, but that doesn't mean we're not faced with symbolic ones. You've got social injustice, especially when you're on the receiving end of it. You've got great wealth disparities where some people can't afford a meal, yet others can afford an island. Hmm. And you've got sickness covered by a mask. Yet regardless of it all, we can give our worries up to God. Regardless of it all, we have no reason to fear because at the end of the day, it is going to be for our greater benefit. You may pray to something and you receive it in a different form. Maybe you prayed for a higher income job and your real intention for this was greater happiness. Yet what God ultimately led you to do was give. You thought that your happiness was going to come from receiving more money. Yet God brought what you really wanted to you via the opposite means that you thought. But you see, none of this happens when you lose hope in God. None of this happens when you don't give it all up to God. When you don't give it all up to God, you can be left in a perpetual loop of fear, not wanting to move out of what you're comfortable in. But sometimes what you're comfortable in is harmful to you. But it's not just about giving your anxieties and your worries up to God because there is time. There is focus as well. And I was reading a Bible plan. The Bible plan was titled Divine Time Management by Elizabeth Grace Saunders, which is available to read or listen to on the Bible app. There's a book with the same name available. There are three key points she gave to love God with our time, worship, word, and prayer. I would like to add a fourth, service. Beginning with worship, whether praising in a group or alone, whether verbally or emotionally, or simply listening to worship. It can be done in many ways, but it's still very, very important. Let me tell you some verses, because it's deeper than just noise or movement. As John 4.24 says, For God is spirit, 
So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And a verse I love that's relating to praise. Psalms 156. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. So worship. That was one. Two was the word. The wonderful word of God. The very word that I base this message upon today. Hmm. The very word that I used as a supporting pillar for this message today. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Step one is you got to hear. Step one, you got to listen. You've got to read the word. You've got to know the word in order to put it into practice. And then, of course, step two is application. Because the blessing comes whenever you apply this. Wisdom only becomes wisdom whenever you apply the knowledge. Otherwise, you just know a lot of stuff. I mean, you can continue to just speak what the word says, but are you living what the word says? And number three was prayer. Romans 12, 12 states, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And Colossians 4, 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. I don't even want to say anything else about prayer except I hope that you do it. I hope that you make a prayer schedule. If your schedule is flexible and has room for it, make room for God. And if your schedule is not flexible, work it in whenever you can in the day. You don't have to have a set time for God as long as you're making time for God. Who in the fourth, the one that I wanted to add was service. And for this one, I have Matthew 23 verses 11 through 12. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, only one of those had to do with service, but I had an intention and a reason for including the second one as well. But for starters, the greatest among you must be a servant. You see, Jesus was a servant, and the words that Jesus spoke that we are to follow, he lived. So I tell you today as well to be a servant. The example I gave about happiness where she wanted to receive money, but instead she ended up giving money and she received happiness. That's service. Serve. And the next one, humble yourself and you will be exalted, or those that are exalted will be humbled. I want you to remember, when you give it all up to God, it is because of God that you conquer those giants. Because you could have been like the Israelites, not even willing to face the giants, let alone overcome them. So remember to humble yourselves before God, to be thankful unto God that he brought you through. Whether a dwarf or a giant, thank God for it all and make sure to keep yourself humbled. For the time will come when you will be exalted. But as far as you need to be concerned today, you need to be humbled. And there is a quote that I love from the moment I heard it. And it has to do with your faith, with your hope, with your approach Pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. And that's from St. Augustine. It reminded me of the quote I used to say, God will handle the super, but you've got to handle the natural. Again, you still got to face those giants. You could be fearless and just imagine on the day whenever you could possibly face the giants or run in fear with the Israelites, you approach the camp and you say, Man, God is good. God got this. All right, y'all, I'm going to head back. Let me know how the battle went. (laughs) That's not the approach to it. 
But the approach to it is to go all the way and God will make sure that you succeed. God will make sure you are rewarded for your actions. Hmm. It is beautiful. The word of God and all of the wisdom included in it. The effect that it has on our lives today whenever we apply it to our lives. For knowing the word is one thing, but again I tell you, wisdom does not become wisdom until you apply the knowledge. Hmm. So I close my message out with that today. Remember, the four key things whenever you're talking about action beyond giving up your worries and anxieties to God. Do that too. Give up everything, including your focus and your time. Remember to pray. Remember to worship. Remember to serve. And do y'all remember the fourth one? Worship, word, prayer, and service. So those are the four things to remember. And when God brings you through, humble yourself. Thank you, and y'all have a blessed night. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Giving It All Up to God, by George Bronner. This message is number 4089, that's 4089, to listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 4089 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word.